What's up, Monero Land? So we're trying to up our game a little bit at Monero Talk. So rather than doing the interviews live, we're pre-recording them. Uh, we got ourselves a green screen, some lights, lapel mic. So the hope is to give you guys a better end product here. We'll see how that goes. So today on the show, we interview Amir Taki. Amir is an old school Bitcoiner. He's a cypherpunk. He's a crypto anarchist. He might be most well known in the Monero community for his work on the dark wallet in 2014, which was basically an attempt to uh, anonymize Bitcoin transactions using a wallet, similar to what we see today with things like Wasabi. Um, he was very critical of the Bitcoin project itself, uh, given uh, its inability to implement privacy on the protocol level. But he was also critical of Monero. Uh, I tried pushing him on Monero, asking him why uh, he never or has yet to really participate in the community. And basically, he said he doesn't think Monero is anonymous enough. Uh, I pushed back basically saying that, yes, uh, Monero community uh, is aware that it, it isn't perfect. Uh, but the idea being is it's good enough and it's on the pursuit of maintaining its status of digital cash, and that's why uh, it it upgrades every six months and attempts to evolve. So I hope you uh, enjoy the interview as much as I do, and uh, I hope you enjoy our new format. Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on your iPhone. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys and seed. And by XMR.to. Anonymously exchange your Monero into Bitcoin and seamlessly send Monero to any Bitcoin address. Go to XMR.to or use it right in your iOS Cake Wallet. Cake Wallet and XMR.to are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. Thanks for coming on. This is awesome, it's a Amir Taki. Yeah. We've been—I've uh, been trying to get you on for quite some time. Yeah, I think sorry for about over that, a year now. What's that? Uh, I said sorry about that. because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I'll have some news for you ready soon. So, okay, but, but this time I was like, oh, we have to just might as well just do it and talk about everything that's going on. Yes. So, I mean, uh, I wanted to reach out to you because, you know, I know, I know you're the real deal. You've been in this space for a long time. Um, I don't know exactly when you got in. I, I would love to hear that story, actually. Um, but I, I, I used to listen to you when, when I first got into Bitcoin, uh, which wasn't nearly as early as you. I was like late 2013, early 2014. And you were one of the people that I, I would listen to on podcasts and things like that. And uh, I was always very um, uh, receptive to the things you said and to the way you would describe the technology and the importance of it. And you really seem to have a very good understanding, in my mind, of what the true value proposition of all this stuff is. So that's why I wanted to have you on. And obviously, this is Monero talk. So I'm hoping we'll, we'll eventually talk about Monero. But I guess my, my kind of my first question to you... Um, you seem like a guy who who's on a mission. Uh, you know, whenever I hear you talking, uh, you, you you seem to be uh, on a mission of some sort. What would you describe if if that is the case? If you are on, on a mission, what Mental would you describe disorder. that mission as? <laughs> What's that? Mental disorder. <laughs> 
I mean, what gives, what makes, what makes people driven towards uh, goals? <laughs> what is your, what, what know, is the revolution that you're ultimately fighting? I guess is, is my question. Um, you know, like, uh, um, it's like we live in this, uh, this construct, we live in a civilization and, uh, really there is something really lacking in this, in the, the way civilization is constructed. And, um, it's not something to do with, uh, how, mon- how the resources are distributed or, you know, uh, some, way that the machine needs to be tweaked is something like more fundamental, you know, it's like fundamental to the, the, the makeup of the, of the society. And I think we're all here because of the same thing, you know, we're, we're searching for, you know, the next stage or the next chapter in, in history. And we, we sense there's like a, a moment of opportunity and, and we're all just trying to find ways that we can gain a foothold in that future and, you know, uh, plant a tree, you know. Where, where are you hoping, uh, you know, what, what do you want the trajectory to be of humanity? Where are you hoping we, we kind of end up? Um, what, where, where are you trying to push us towards or hope that we move towards? Um, yeah, well, I think the state as a, as, a, as a system is something that dehumanizes people and turn people into tools. And we live in a slave society. And um, I think there's like a massive amount of human potential just wasted and uh, potentially we lived in a freer society one which enhanced human talent um, the culture will be a lot more richer and if we can kind of if we can kind of figure out that paradigm and as technologists start to put the pieces together to move towards that then you know this sliding window that is going to open up very soon we'll be prepared to take advantage of that and initiate some cultural renaissance some cultural revolution like um that only happens rarely in in human history and uh this is like probably one of the biggest opportunities in the entire history of modernity that we're we're facing like a one of these transition phases and that opportunity being the invention of of cryptocurrency no it's something bigger it's um it's the this uh, trajectory that Western society find itself on, this materialistic trajectory has kind of exhausted its creative ability um, and no longer have the ability to like drive society forwards. And uh, fundamentally like Western hegemony is like breaking down. The society has become like lazy and lost their vital energy. And that's why, you know, you see the uh, new upstarts like China and Russia, like making moves, um, and we're like fundamentally shifting from a unipolar world to like a multipolar world. Um, the Arctic is also melting, which there's a lot of hydrocarbons under there. And, and now Russian ships can move throughout the North Sea. Uh, and, and, you know, like what Donald Trump was saying about China and how it's like just literally de- the way they devalue their currency to suck all that, all that intellectual property and, and industry. Um, away from America is, is, is completely true. And, um, you know, it's, it's something like Western society is, um, is, is gonna have to fight for its survival, but that fight is, that sense of fight is, is lost, you know, from, from the society. So we're facing some really big challenges, like huge challenges. But, 
you know, in between this, these big shifting uh, geopolitical powers, there's like going to be this opening up of, you know, proxy conflicts and new frontier lands and, you know, shifting allegiances. You, you already see that in like a really big way in the Middle East, like um, the, um, the, you know, America has, has basically lost uh, the control of the Middle East to Iran and Russia, basically, like uh, Syria, uh, sorry, Turkey used to be his second biggest army in NATO. Now they're buying all the all the Turkish missiles and they're pivoting towards Russia. You know, they lost in they lost in Syria. They lost Iraq to Iran. Now they're cutting deals with the Taliban. They're making a peace agreement with the Taliban. You know, Saudis are losing in in Yemen. Um, and, you know, if something happened to Saudi Arabia, um, like if, for example, there's a coup or like a destabilization or an uprising, you know, backed by Iran, they have like a large Shia majority in, in Saudi Arabia, then, then, um, that will create shocks, geopolitical shocks. It will affect the petrodollar, which is the basis of, uh, the, U- of the US dollar is the petro, is the petrodollar system. And suddenly all these countries around the world that are holding, uh, US government bonds will, will be like, well, we no longer need to have US government bonds. Like we, we don't need, because we don't need these to buy oil anymore. And, and they start shorting them on the market. And once you start to see countries dumping US government bonds, um, then, uh, that will destabilize the dollar, potentially crash the dollar. And, and we're not so, we, we're like, I don't, it, like when you really look at the geopolitics of what's going on, like all of the states in the world right now are on the precipice. You know, it's not just Western states, like every single state is in a fight for survival. Like we have dwindling resources, resource conflicts breaking out, problems with terrorism, environmental challenges, rise of new technologies, you know, um, these are all factors that are coming together. And that's why, like, as a technologist, we need to also be present, prescient of the, of the trajectories that are happening around us so we can take advantage of those, so we can make use of those. And that's something that's kind of lacking in cryptocurrency community right now is like everyone's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, you know, we're going to make a million dollars and we're going to change the world and we're going to have fun at the same time. It's like all of these are separate things, you know, and and. We have to be like serious. It's like, yeah, we want to be serious. We want to change something, you know. We have like a very big power. Have you become uh, disillusioned with cryptocurrency? Do you think are you, are you, do you think the mm-hmm. kind of the movement is is failing, or are you? Uh, I, I think I think all the current crop of organizations that exist now, like the first tranche of of groups that basically, you know, there was like this void or like opportunity that opened up, and they just went and they like grabbed the mic. But they're going to die off because they don't have like a long-term strategy or planning or, or system of organization. And they're not going to be able to like answer like the problems or challenges that are going to come up, which they are coming now. Um, uh, actually, it's, uh, I was just in Asia for, uh, for more than two months. And my first, my first time I've been in Asia, I've never been in Asia before. And, and it's, it's incredible. Oftentimes you, you kind of like forget that, um, you know, this, this sphere, this circle with Hong Kong at the center going all the way to Pakistan, to, uh, Indonesia, all the way to Japan, to Mongolia. That little circle in the world contained 60% of the world's population. You know, it's like a little mini universe, like off in Asia. And, and there is so much money, like flowing through, through cryptocurrency markets, a huge amount of money. 
And um, there is there is this like new crypto wealth, like this new wealth. Actually, um, you know, for uh, last few years, I've been uh, criticizing cryptocurrency community. I've been saying, oh, you know, the, the tech hasn't really evolved, like nobody's really doing anything. But but I think the real innovation is happening on the financial layer, like in, in all the new products and, and derivatives and, and the way that the people like the the types of systems that people are creating with with the money and and that's the failing of the technologies currently is they they have all this wealth of techniques and they're not they're not trying to understand what's happening in that market they're not looking at that market to go okay what are the traders doing what is that finance doing you know what is that that exists then how can we build tools or products to service that market you know like we have all this dark um, algorithms like we have all these like zk snarks and stuff why are we not why are we not uh, uh using our skills to build the dark economy and uh, i see a lot of technologists they just they're just building uh, uh, uh tools and technologies and i i, I asked to them i like okay what you, what market are you building this for like who are you building it for and fundamentally there's no strategy behind it there's no like like deep analysis it's just like based off of what people think is is good or 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 sounds kind of appealing and there is a lot of very um intellectual people inside of cryptocurrency community like people with humanities experience and unfortunately they're not being used effectively you know they end up just like i don't know drifting around and they're like looking for some kind of like place or like way to use their knowledge meaningful meaningfully but there should be some kind of think tank. There should be some kind of like strategic level inside of cryptocurrency, like thinking on a higher level. But unfortunately, right now, there isn't. There isn't that kind of organization. There's a lot of micro domains. There's a lot of small companies or like basically what exists is brand names. And they're all trying to kind of one up each other. And it's like, you know, you're either in our product, in our company like in our team or you're not with us there's no sense of like like it was like the big mission you know like the bigger thing that we can achieve like together well, like really big thing isn't isn't that something that will just work naturally work itself out so the group that does realize that and focuses and uh, has has a real meaningful mission that's aligned with the value proposition of uh, what the true, you know, or the true utility of, of what cryptocurrency offers, the group that figures that out isn't that the one that then succeeds? And yes, yeah, like so we that's saw, you saying, know, with the early one. days of the of the internet or the, yeah. uh, the you know the internet boom when you had ninety eight percent of the companies disappear and the ones that really uh, offered utility ended up surviving. So isn't it similar to what what's yeah. the difference between that and what we're going through with cryptocurrency? No, no, you're you're exactly right. That's that's uh, the driving point. Is like we have to create that. We have to move towards that. You know. Um, and do you think anyone's and, doing that well? Any projects, or do you think um, we haven't? No, really I haven't. Seen... Yeah, we haven't. I mean, there is. Yeah, there are um, really interesting people who are doing really interesting work, but they're not public uh, so much. Um, yeah, I was talking about. Um, uh, the wealth now, this like new, like, e- uh, system that exists, you know, like crypto market, like we like to think it's, um, you know, like a lot of individuals trading free market, but the reality is, is it's kind of, there's a cartel and there are, there are players in this market that are very entrenched and, you know, they all have different 
niches in the market and they have different products and they kind of like move they kind of all work together you know and and like if you want to find like a foothold you have to create like a meaningful product and create like a niche and like you know like build relationships with certain people you know you can't just come as like an outsider and just enter with like with like without the right contacts and so on and this is like this is like we can think of it like a network of wealth you know like that that exists um and um and you know it's like this institutional money narrative i don't really buy it i I think it's like a false narrative like all of this market that exists now is fundamentally black or gray market um and it's it's um, the institutional money, people have been talking about it for years. People have been talking about it since 2010 and it hasn't happened. You know, it just hasn't happened. Like the real, the real market that exists now is, is fundamentally gray or black. And it's, it's a new financial elite that's opposed to an old financial elite. And, um, the way that they move their money around the world, you know, using different, uh, uh, jurisdictions, like offshore jurisdictions, laws from different places, you know, that, uh, the states are starting to come after that wealth. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the state regimes, you know, like the, um, the old British colonial, uh, uh, um, offshore havens, you know, they're, they're, they're making it more restrictive for crypto wealth to hide and people are having to get smarter about how they hide their wealth. And now, you know, it's even moving to the domain of like people, um, uh, uh, buying islands or bribing central banks or creating their own financial infrastructure. And, uh, that's like the level that we fundamentally have to, to move is like, okay, how do we become the new power, the new economic, uh, uh, power? How do we use this like foothold? Not just like go, okay, crypto exists. Okay. Cool. I'm rich. Like let's, let's buy like Lambos and, you know, like live like a, live like a rich, rich person. No, we have to become like a, we have to think like the old rich. Like, what is the old old rich? What do they do? They have they raise their children from a very young age to educate them in ways of managing their wealth. They have like entire rituals or like cere- systems or like ceremonies, you know, that exist to like keep that culture together. You know, and we have to kind of develop that. We have to like think like, okay, you know, like what is power? Like, how do we how do how do we embrace that power not not simply like okay we have this number in an account because fundamentally it's just it's just something we made up we just made it up and even now you have things like bonded curves coming coming up and you can create you can create whatever tool you want inside of this system like we can create like we're not no longer restricted by the by the limits of of law you know we now we you know now we're we're only restricted by the speed of light in our imagination so we can we can use that we can use that power, but we have to become we have to start to study we have to learn about finance we have to learn about economics you know we have as technologists and you know we have to put all the pieces together we have to study philosophy you know um, and, so I, that, I, I guess, and I I guess from because I've heard you talk about this in some of your recent interviews too is that so I get what you're getting at is that uh, there need. The potential solution is um, some kind of uh, academy or polytechnic, right? That you're that, that you've been talking about that would that would be funded by uh, some of these nouveau rich crypto people, hopefully, uh, with the goal of uh, implementing these ideas you're talking about. Is that? Yeah. So. Is that uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm making uh, academies um, with the purpose because. 
there is a lot of young people inside of cryptocurrency community. And like I go to any of these conferences and I just see all these young people that are like incredibly smart, they're, they're ambitious, you know, they're very dedicated, they're creative. They know the blockchain is going to be big in the future, but there's no place for them, you know, and they kind of just drift about and they end up working for these companies who just use them as like, as tools basically. And there's, and we're not developing that talent. That is, that is the future. That is like the, that is what will sustain us to like the next stage. Like we should be in developing our human resource. But because we don't have, because, for example, inside of Ethereum, they go, oh, you know, it's like a decentralized community, nobody's in charge, blah, blah, blah. There's this like mythos, but it's not the reality. There is a hidden hierarchy inside the projects. And, and because, um, the people who have the power, there is no accountability. Uh, when things go wrong, you know, um, there's no way to hold people accountable to, decisions that were made and then the flip side of that is that there aren't any like there aren't any like serious discussions about like where are we going as a community so there's not that kind of narrative or guidance so you end up with like all these people on the periphery or groups who and i, I for example i see this happen a lot in in companies you know somebody's like uh, like okay let's make a company let's go you know and they start they start moving they're like we need to develop a product let's do this let's do this and they never really thought about like hey how's the product going to be used like who's going to use it you know like uh uh like what's the vision of of the company you know like what do we do after this is done you know it's like okay yes we have to get the work done but you also have to carve out a space to think okay like how do like strategically like what are you doing you know and, and fundamentally when you get to the scale, organizational scale of a high level, you know, you can't have a CEO micromanaging every single person inside the company. It's just, it just doesn't work like that. The way a CEO, like good CEO motivate people is through the vision. You know, it's, it's through, he's got, he's like constantly telling stories going, okay, guys, you know, like this is what we're going to be. This is where we're going to be in, in five years from now in two years from now. And he's telling that story. And it, it's kind of like everybody wake up every day and they know what they have to be doing. And they're working towards that goal as opposed to like a bad company where you have like a, a CEO and he's going he, like one morning you wake up and go, okay, God, I need you to do this. Okay. I need to do this. And then the next day, the, the uh, everything change again and every everything's completely in disarray i see it happening a lot in cryptocurrency community everyone's like let's go let's go let's go nobody's actually stopped to think like go where like where and that's why you see like a lot of dead-end projects projects that start they they never they don't really deliver they die out again you know again they start so that's that's why like i've uh last few years i've been on this i was like okay there's like what's the point of like working on projects we need to like build the base we need to like build a foundation and so that's why it's like so that's why i've been focused on on developing um this organization and thinking about like okay what's the the vision and um uh developing this academy so we can start to create that core of people we can find those people we can train them for this work and then also start to create these projects and there's a roadmap of projects that we want to make you know we have that roadmap and then how does that roadmap fit, fit in with our long-term vision? And, and so it's like, so it's like not that, you know, people need to be managed as tools, but there is some kind of philosophy underlying it. Like, okay, what are we doing this for? You know, like, you know, where is there an opportunity? And that's, shouldn't, that's shouldn't that, I mean, I mean we, we are seeing it a little bit though, right? Like obviously, so I think it's a good time to talk about Monero. So in, in, in Monero, um, 
I think one of one of the great attributes of the project, the Monero project, is the fact that it's managed to really uh, iron out a cohesive ideology that a large percentage of the community believes in and follows. Uh, that the mission of creating digital cash. Um, and really sticking to that mission. So, you know, to the point where Monero is upgraded every six months uh, for the purpose of trying to become more anonymous and private uh, and scalable and continuing uh, to do that um, with the hope of eventually achieving, you know, uh, digital cash status am- among among the globe. So isn't, isn't that uh, achieving what you're talking about? I mean, isn't that... I mean, and you, I understand um, that, you know, there, there's no uh, CEO, but that obviously that we, we don't want a CEO of, of the Monero project, right? We don't, we don't want necessarily uh, a leader who's out there, uh, you know, telling everybody uh, what the, you know, what needs to be done in Monero. Um, but isn't it naturally, isn't that an example that we're seeing where, uh, this decentralized system is working and this open source project is working and it's producing a product that has real value? Um, yeah, so when I talk about a, a company and a CEO, that's like an analogy that I use, but you know, it doesn't have to be that there's like a CEO, but there, there, there does need to be like, you know, like some body of intellectual people like somebody of people and i'm talking widely here like cryptocurrency in general which is like like philosopher kings of of crypto so to speak yeah or 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 a kind of think tank you know which is like there's like reports are published and it's like okay you know like things like venezuela or cyprus or iran or greece or like any of any of these uh, moments open up like everyone's like they just become a meme they become a meme in the media and really I, I think I think a lot of that is is kind of wishful thinking but I also think it's like a lost opportunity on the other hand which is like oh we weren't prepared to take advantage of that we weren't there, were, there wasn't like a group of people that was already strategizing and like thinking ahead that when those things suddenly happened that we were like able to go in there like quickly and offer support to local groups you know, to establish that infrastructure. And even on like another level, you know, like there are, there are many like local administrations in like these kind of like fringe jurisdictions around the world that is like actively saying like, okay, we want to make, we want to deploy cryptocurrency, we want to deploy crypto technology on a larger scale. But there's like, there isn't like a systematic way that we're like engaging with these, with these organizations, you know, so that's like a kind of lost opportunity. And, um, and, you know, like groups like Monero or Ethereum or Bitcoin, um, they're too, they're too like, they have a lot of resources and they want to be like a big project, but they're very, they're very limited to a product. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, um, Monero is saying it wants to be digital cash, but what is even cash? Cash is like, um, a system of account. It's a system of account for trade between between people, but 
you know, as a cryptocurrency community, wasn't a value proposition that we were going to reimagine cash or we were going to move beyond cash, you know? You know, like, um, it, and it's like, I, I see a lot of research coming out of Monero. Monero is a good community. It's a very open community. It's a very engaging community. And that's probably the most valuable thing in it. I'd say the community is more valuable than the technology inside of Monero. Um, but... Like, shouldn't we be using these technologies to develop an ecosystem, not just to to develop a product? You know, like, isn't that what mo being a movement is? You know, being a movement is not just about one piece of software. It's like it's like the entire technology paradigm. It's like the way that technology uh, is engaged with our life, which is kind of like what the crypto anarchy thing was about the crypto anarchy thing was like kind of okay we can use this cryptography to create a new realm which is outside of state control and that will enable new groups to prosper and, and thrive and that will create that will kind of force a political opening you know like and and um i think that everybody now today is really uh focused on zk snarks but the thing is zk snarks is not really you know like people think it can be used for everything but it doesn't really work like that you know like you have to have knowledge of like how zk snarks work because you can't just apply them to everything in a generic way uh but there there is a lot of other cryptography algorithms out there which are a lot simpler than zk snarks which is is too complex, massively complex. It's it's very interesting, but it's not yet ready for production. It's got a very big attack surface, as as Zcash showed us, where where they had this bug where anybody could print money that existed for more than a year, which is which any if anybody knew about it, they'd be able to print infinite money and nobody would know about it. But there are a lot of other cryptography techniques that exist out there, and we kind of and it's kind of like as opposed to creating the one perfect product which allow anybody to create anything in an easy way. Instead, maybe we should be focused on like uh, creating an, uh, an organization of people or a body of people uh, which have a very good knowledge of all these different cryptography techniques. Uh, and also we create different libraries, or we create different uh, uh, toolkits that enable people to easily create products, you know, um, out using these different techniques, putting them to diff into different ways, you know. And um, uh, I've just been playing around with um, a piece of software called ZeroNet. Have you heard of ZeroNet? It's like an I've old heard project. Of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's still around after all these, these years, ZeroNet. Uh, the software is uh, amazing. You install it and it's like a generic platform and it has loads of stuff on there. It has as a decentralized version of YouTube. It has a decentralized blogging system, decentralized wiki, decentralized to-do lists, you know, um, decentralized, I don't know, messaging, Reddit, forums, everything on, on ZeroNet. And it's working. And strangely, there's a lot of Chinese people using ZeroNet. Now, ZeroNet is like made by one guy working on it for many years. And it's, it's not perfect, but, you know, it, it gives us some kind of clue that, you know, like about what's kind of possible with this technology. And, you know, like I, I was just thinking, I was just like today, I was like discussing with some of the people I'm working with. And I, I was like, oh, you know, how can we keep track of our financial information, you know, on a spreadsheet? You know, do we have to use Google documents? Like, 
Do I really want to put that info on Google Docs? Why is there not a decentralized cryptographic encrypted alternative? Like, why does that not exist after 10 years? Like, after 20, 30 years? It's kind of mad, isn't it? Like, it's, this software is like, it should be, it's like very simple and plain in sight, but nobody's thought to work on it. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm going to make like, I don't know, Ruby Goldberg machines and like, I don't know, really, really like way out there concepts. Like, I don't know, like going into space with cryptocurrency, but nobody's actually thought, how do we, what about spreadsheet software that's like encrypted and decentralized? That's like really basic thing. Like I had, I, I did like, I did a year's worth of research in uh, uh, 2014 and I had it on a, on a wiki that was inside of our organization. And we had a sysadmin that was maintaining that wiki. And, um, two years later, the sysadmin was like, oops, I, I accidentally lost the backups and the wiki went down and I lost, and I lost the web server. Oops. And I lost all my research, which was on, on the wiki. You know, it's like, if you want to have like an organization now and you want to put some, documentation somewhere you need like a sysadmin to maintain a server with a wiki why is there not like a wiki software that you can just open it and you write and you add people to your your group and you can all see the same thing but nobody else can see it it's encrypted and, and then the people you have the backup on your computer and everybody else has the backup on their computer somebody loses it no big deal you just get re-added to the group it's like these are, these are really simple things. There's a lot of low hanging fruit, but you know, the problem is everybody want to, everybody want to be the next Satoshi. Everybody want to make the next new big best thing. We're not, but it's like, this is fundamentally a question of organization. Like how do we organize and that everybody has different roles and there's like a roadmap and it's like, okay, we develop all this software. We're part of an ecosystem. We can have like a result at the end of it. And this is how it will all work together. It's like, very simple things that we're, we're talking about, you know, and there is more complex things that come after, but we have to kind of like do this work that exists in the beginning first to get to that next stage. We can't jump, you know, to, I don't know, like mining asteroids or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that will come with, come with time. Um, maybe could it be because there's no real incentive structure for those products to be built yet? I mean, obviously, you know, the the great thing about Bitcoin and Monero is it's bootstrapped by a currency, uh, by speculation, uh, you know, these things. Yes, yeah, so that's, yeah, so that, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it's, it's not just about a product because these things by themselves aren't going to pay for themselves, but they do enrich the ecosystem. They do like create a value proposition for the in incentive mechanism that exists, you know. So that's that's kind of, that's kind of also like why I'm I'm working with uh, NIM, which is the anonymity mixnet that exists now, and they they want to do something similar to that, which is like, you know, how do we create an anonymity network that people can deploy anonymous applications within within the platform, you know? So it's there's there's a lot of alignment on that level. So why why didn't we see you participate more in Monero itself? Um, what 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 was the uh, uh, because uh, I don't think yeah I don't think Monero is anonymous and um, and um, and I think like you know there is the holy grail of uh, cryptocurrency research is um, a, like a scalable um, blockchain that can run on mobile phones, like have a full node on a mobile phone and is perfectly anonymous. 
And I'm confident that we're going to get to that stage in the future. It's going to happen at some point. And Bitcoin is, is not going to be number one forever. Like something is going to overtake Bitcoin. It's like, if you're following the research at this point, it's like kind of an inevitable, it's like kind of clear. It's an inevitability that's going to, going to play out. Uh, but we're not at that stage yet. Um, we're, we're kind of like a bit of a way off, but we're getting there bit by bit. But do, I mean, this pure anonymity solution doesn't exist yet, right? We're we're not there yet. Digital digital cash doesn't exist yet. So why why not? Well, uh, it does. Devote- there, there is a there is a pure uh, anonymous crypto schemes, but they have different trade offs. So for example, Zcash, um, it is an anonymous crypto scheme. But the problem is, is that the the technique is is massively complex. And there's this really big attack surface. So something, it's like a very big Ruby Goldberg machine where if one thing go wrong, the entire thing can explode. Um, you know, there's blinding schemes, but they're centralized. There's like new schemes that are coming out, like Lelantus, which is made by the Zcoin guys, which is, have really big anonymity set, uh, but, um, is, is also, um, very simple mathematics. And I, I think that's a really interesting scheme by, Aram Jinkavanyan, who's uh, an Armenian guy. And I know Monero uh, Saragnofa, he wrote an implementation of that. I was, I was actually studying the implementation that he wrote. Um, so I think if it, Monero implement that, that would be a really, uh, uh, that would be a really good thing for Monero. And, um, well, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's yeah. what I'm getting at though, right? So uh, Monero, I don't think has ever claimed to be perfect at what, at what it's trying to do, but it's trying to do it in a way where, you know, it's honest about itself and to iterate and improve, uh, yeah. Yeah. which isn't that how most technologies evolve. So, I mean, you're not, you're not going to get it perfect out of the gate, but like you were saying is it's more about the, the ecosystem and the community being dedicated to a cause and then working towards that cause. So I guess what I'm saying is I see one of the issues in, in the cryptos, and I think we agree here, is that everybody's kind of off running off doing their own things. There's a lot of competition out there uh, as opposed to kind of focusing on particular projects that are getting a foothold and to then just help them evolve and become what they need to become. So Yeah, uh- the, the thing with uh, Monero is um, that it's been broken by chain analysis. Um, the anonymity set of, of 10 is like, it's too small. And um, it's, uh, and, and chain analysis, it's right now, it's like, okay, if you buy like your, some drugs off the internet, you're probably okay, you know, uh, for now. But the, re- the chain analysis is upgrading all the time. So eventually at some point that's going to, and probably for the, the governments already, they've already completely uh, broken that. So it's actually a, a very bad situation for Monero. But uh, if, if they manage to upgrade to another cryptography technique like, like Lalantus, then um, I think they, they should be able to overcome those, those problems because the Lalantus have a very big anonymity set. But I haven't seen that happen yet. They're still ex- exploring a bunch of ideas. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing about. about yeah, Monero. I guess I guess my point is, you know, I I think most people in Monero uh, that that follow it closely 
would agree with you that uh, it needs improving when it comes to you know things like ring uh, ring CT. Um, but the fact that there is a Monero research lab and it is uh, seriously considering implementing things like uh, OmniRing or Lelantis or whatever the, the the new and greatest solution may be is is a real positive thing compared to when you look at Bitcoin, where they've kind of uh, settled in the fact that the protocol has ossified and they're saying that that the ossification of Bitcoin is, is a good thing. And yeah, you Bitcoin know. is terrible. Like Bitcoin's like very stagnant project and it's going to come and bite them in the ass. Like uh, Schnorr signatures should have been added years ago. Like I have no idea why it's like still like a work in progress. That's a, that's atrocious. That like, and, and they're very, and it's like the entire project is very limited in, in scope. Like things have, have to change, but it's kind of like you have, also, it's like part of the history of Bitcoin that there was this scammy group of business guys that were trying to take over. And then I guess like we were responsible for in drawing that line in the sand or initiating that kind of opposition to them. Uh, but then after I left, um, it like kind of, sh- it kind of shifted over to Peter Todd, who actually Peter Todd was, uh, we named him as our chief scientist in opposition to Gavin Andreessen of our of our project and he kind of became like the kingmaker of, of Bitcoin together with his with his clique of engineers and they got they edged out all the Bitcoin foundation and the business guys and they took over but the problem is it's like a lot of engineers have a very like narrow focused way of seeing things like a black and white way of seeing things and so these business guys who were trying to take over before even though they're a bit scammy they had a kind of vision Whereas um, the engineers who took over, they were like, oh, no, Bitcoin is perfect. It's not going to change, which I agree with being kind of conservative about these like v- these crypto projects. But it's like gone a little bit too extreme Bitcoin as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, they should be um, do it. They should be like trying to integrate anonymity techniques more into into Bitcoin as well. So what is your take on Monero upgrading every, you know, it does like a network upgrade every six months currently. Do you, do you think that's a good thing? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Six months might be too much, but that's like just, that's just arbitrary, you know. Right. So if you had to, I mean, I guess you've kind of said it in one way or the other, but what do you see as being then the core value proposition or utility of cryptocurrency what what was the invention what what utility is it really offering at the end of the day um it's like the pathway for us to be able to create dark bespoke financial products or to create like a dark economy um it's it's not just like about money but it's like about the it's the entire thing like you know like we can create entire markets that weren't possible before and like completely outside the purview of of, of states like finance is a big deal um, there, there was like a, a guerrilla group, I think it's like six months ago or eight months ago, who were doing a fundraising in Cameroon where you could send them $1,500 worth of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, for a rocket launcher and $750 for a Kalashnikov and $2 for a bullet. And uh, uh, also Islamic groups 
that, that was like an independentist group in Africa, Islamic groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda. There was a report by a, a, terror, a terrorist research organization called Memory. And, it's, and I, I can, uh, people can see the report if they, re, if they Google M-E-M-R-I, uh, cryptocurrency, and, and I don't know, ISIS. Um, the report said that, that now um, a, lot, a lot of these terrorist groups are making extensive use of cryptocurrency. Um, they're actually using them. That's that's a big deal. I don't think people realize like, how big of a deal. And yes, cryptocurrency will be one of those kind of gateways into uh, this inflection point or this transition where this old world system this world, this hegemonic world system with America at the core is going to kind of lose its stranglehold over the world. And, and yes, that's going to be something that's, that's, that's partly pushed by cryptocurrency. And also, but it, it won't be, a, it won't be necessarily a peaceful one. It, there is this transition that we're facing is going to lead to a lot of conflict um, and a lot of um, human suffering. And that's like a reality of, any kind of like political change that's, that's going to be uh, going on. And uh, also uh, Russia and China are exploring cryptocurrencies, how they can use them to evade sanctions, you know, how they can, how they can use them to create uh, their own markets that aren't uh, uh, sanctionable by uh, the US government. And it's not just Russia and China, but even microstates can can use these financial systems. You know, they can they can create their own new financial networks to extend credit to other places around the world without borders. Like any any group, any person in the world can now send money from one place to another place. You know, can create different new financial instruments as a way of like raising capital. That's that's really a big deal. That's like a, a huge deal that like this old system of order with states and the financial system had a stranglehold on the world is going to lose control of, of that. That's like a reality that we're facing. Um, and uh, we have to kind of like be aware of that and like prepare for that eventuality. Uh, simply just so we can like be aware of it and we can also be able to make use of it and steer it towards like the things that we want to see happen, the kind of new sovereignty movements that we want to see happen. Do you think there's going to kind of be a, a, um, a dark ages of crypto or where crypto retreats because of governments fighting back on a, on a high level with regulations and things like that? Um, I think, yeah, I think we're already kind of in the process of that happening now. I think that's like already happening. Um, and I, I think the states are going to up their game considerably against cryptocurrency. It's, it's already like starting to begin this fight. Uh, but they're fundamentally they're going to lose that game. Uh, but it's not given that they're going to lose. I, I I believe that you know they they don't have what it takes to fight an idea because uh, that's what they're fighting is fundamentally an idea. But it's not just an idea. It's all the people and organisations and and people that are working on cryptocurrency now. You know we will prevail in some way or another. It's just like how how soon will we prevail? How much will we prevail? And how much of our vision will actually play out? Who will capture the narrative? Like, you know, this stuff with Libra and the Facebook coin. I don't think people realize like how close that was. That was like, that was like a big deal. Like, 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 you know, like people don't realize like if Facebook, if Facebook actually managed to come out with their coin before and, and it wasn't shut down by Congress and US state, 
there would be a lot of talented developers, talent like organizations and so on that would go over to the other side. You know that, you know, we would we would actually lose a lot from that. That you know, we would actually lose a lot of steam from Libra going into these untapped markets and kind of capturing them before we've had a chance to actually go in there. So that's a, that's a great that's a great news that Libra actually got shut down by Congress. But you know now there's other states like China and Russia are talking about blockchain and making inroads into blockchain. And you know they're trying to they're doing they're trying to do like one foot in, one foot out because they they don't want to, to rock the boat. You know, their, their economies are very unstable themselves, but they want to kind of reap the benefits of, um, being able to use them to like evade US power while at the same time, like not infringing on their own security. Um, so, you know, they're going to be kind of slow in their uptake. You know, there's going to be a kind of like competition in the same way that like interest rates globally have been like driven down, uh, by, you know, like people trying to attract the money to themselves. So they're, they're going to kind of eventually reach that, but it's going to be slow. So it's like, there's like window that we have, you know, to kind of like prepare, you know, like to prepare our like armies, so to speak, you know, like to kind of like dig in and kind of like start to assemble ourselves and like gather resources because it's going to be a very exciting time, like a kind of like prospective gold rush that we, that we're heading into. So, I mean, you know, th- there's a fear, obviously, that, you know, governments or corporations would create something like a Libra coin or a U.S. dollar coin for the reasons that you're saying. How about Bitcoin itself? Um, I mean, in its current form, like like we were talking about, it is essentially a surveillance coin, right? It, it doesn't yeah. have the ability yeah. to be anonymous. So do you do you fear that Bitcoin itself could essentially slow down adoption as large as, as it gains momentum, people move into it, and we opt into a protocol that's not built in, in such a way where, uh, you know, um, fungibility is built into the, the core base layer? So we're, we're, is that, is, could that potentially slow down the progress of, of crypto because we, we all opt in or a large, large group ends up opting into a protocol that could easily be surveilled by governments? Uh, Bitcoin has the number one spot right now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of focus on Bitcoin, but it's really shitty. Like the, the blockchain is like, I don't know, more than a hundred gigabytes. And, you know, it doesn't have like any advanced features and it's very inefficient to use. It's not anonymous. You know, there will be some crypto system that will come along at some stage. You know, I don't know what it be. It would be, it could be Monero. It could be Zcoin. Could be any, it could be anything. I don't know. It could be any of these new anonymous crypto systems. It's like fast and efficient. And like well designed and offer advanced features like advanced financial instruments, you know. Um, I don't know, maybe even some limited form of smart contracts, you know. But there will be something that will will replace Bitcoin, but it probably not for a, a while, you know. So there's probably still time, but I, I think that will happen. It's like Bitcoin is like kind of MySpace of crypto right now. Is cryptocurrency your focus right now? I know, I know. A few years ago, you went to Syria. Um, it'd be great if you could speak about that a little bit. Are you now yeah, Syria, really focused Syria. fully on crypto? 
Syria is really interesting because um, the entire economy, especially in the north of Syria, is all paper currency and um, and they have no financial infrastructure. And I was working for the local administration on technology projects and I still know a lot of the guys there. And um, this is one of the things I was trying to get crypto people interested in. I say, look, we come here, we can... You know, like I have the resources, I have the powers necessary to be able to deploy cryptocurrency infrastructure on a large scale. But I, I, but a lot of the, that's the thing that a lot of the leaders of the cryptocurrency projects, they're not, they're very, they're very limited in their, in their thinking, in the domain of their thinking. You know, um, so that's, that's why I kind of like had to, I thought to myself, okay, there needs to be like a kind of reorientation that's happening. You know, the, you know, it's, it's not just about like, how we the technology we create but it's also like the community we have like how we deploy it you know um you know because it's for example it's 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 not just like okay there used to be this idea okay i i worked many years on on linux um and free software and there used to be an idea of linux which was like oh we just have to make the most amazing operating system the best operating system humanity ever know and everybody will use it. it like, it's like inevitable. Everybody will use it. Cryptocurrency have the same problem now. Everyone's like, okay, we need to create the best cryptocurrency and everybody will be able to use, everybody will use it. There's like no need for like, I don't know, marketing or like no need for like creating infrastructure. It's like, um, I saw a speech by, um, Vitalik, which is like the lead, the head of Ethereum. Uh, in, in Shanghai and he was talking a, a lot about different techniques and like oh this like new interesting project or this interesting thing but it's like where's the structure behind this like how does this all fit together you know like where's the infrastructure structure layer so that's the thing it's like okay yes like there's there's a few people now in the west like have have Monero or Bitcoin or whatever on their phone and they use it and they trade it with each other but like okay how do we okay how do we talk about like a national scale, like a scale of like 5 million people, which is what is the population of North Syria, whereas on the administration for is like, okay, okay, the administration want to deploy cryptocurrency on a national scale. How do we do that? Like what is, how do we, what's the infrastructure we need to deploy? Like how do we build the mesh networks or the devices for people to be able to use it? And how do we, how do we create that system? Nobody's actually done that research yet. You know, nobody's actually done that legwork. And that's why we're unprepared for these opportunities that present themselves. But it's like a holistic thing. Did you make progress in Syria on that, on that front, on that project of trying to implement well, cryptocurrency? When I started to think about, okay, if I start to do it myself, how do I do it myself? I saw that actually the technologies haven't been developed yet. Like nobody's actually developed the technology or the hardware to do these things. So it's like all really premature. And that's why everybody's talking about space research. We haven't done the basic groundwork that we need to do. There's a lot of really fundamental things that we need to do. It's like, it's not just like mobile phones trading cryptocurrency together, but you need to actually create, you need to actually create, uh, uh, systems of systems for, for, uh, systems where people can ex- extend lines of credit or you can like use that to move uh, 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 transactions or payments for a system. It's like if you wanted to create a central bank, like a crypto central bank in, I don't know, like a Polynesian island, 
tomorrow? Like, how would you do that? Like, we don't have that technology. We don't have that software. We don't have the hardware to do that. Like, no, no, nobody's done it yet. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's crucial. It's fundamental. Like, that's what we need to focus on because that's where the interesting opportunity with cryptocurrency will lie. It won't be like individuals like buying coffee, which fundamentally isn't, the consumer market is nothing there. It's not, not the real money. We have to like look at the big market, like the national markets or like the, the market of like the big large scale capitalists and the traders. That's where the real money is. Now, I, I think I had saw that you had even confronted um, Vitalik on trying to raise money from him for your academy as well. And, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. I, I, I was for a long time trying to convince uh, Ethereum people to come and, you know, visit Syria to kind of come, come and explore the, the situation, you know, that I can, I can actually organize a delegation of people to go. And what do I find out? They're calling North Korean dictators to set up cryptocurrency. What the fuck? Like a democratic force in Syria, which is aligned with Western values which is like actually allied with America, with the US, you know, and, and there's, your, there's your need to deploy cryptocurrency. And they're going to North Korean dictators. It's really a lost group of people. I don't, I don't even know what's up with this community. Like you go to their conferences and they're like dressed as unicorns in like rainbow clothes. And also it's really degenerate, the amount of drug taking and like sex parties and orgies they have is like literally like end days of Rome. Um, so I think Ethereum's is literally a lost community. I think the project is like going to collapse at some point. It's not. It's definitely not the answer. Not because of the technology itself, but just simply because of the community. Like, and it's there's like really strong uh, strand of authoritarianism inside of Ethereum community, which they have this like mirage of like, oh, we're an open community, but really there is uh, power makers inside that community, and. The thing is, because there's no kind of like strategy or like deep analysis, they're trying to make like a, a very complex thing, like a world computer or like a smart contract platform or even a platform for dark finance, you know, uh, but they're not able to like develop a strategy so that they understand like what's important in the short term and have focus. And, uh, and because of that, it's like too dispersed. And the problem is, is that when things go wrong, the important decisions have to be made and it come out of this like hidden hierarchy and it create a lot of resentment in that community. And that's, that's why now there is like things like Ethereum magicians and all this kind of things going on is because of the, the poor system of organization that, that, that they have. There's this, there's this thing called tyranny of structurelessness that kind of exists inside of Ethereum community. Um, so they're, they're, they don't have like, and and it's a shame because there's a lot of um, idealism that's kind of wrapped up in that community, which is very valuable, but it's kind of dispersed and it's not it's not focused on anything kind of real. Um, they've been talking for years about like proof of stake and all of this stuff, and it doesn't really work. Like it's like it's always these these things like when you imagine them in your head that you're like, oh, you know. Um, there's just like a, yeah, it's going to work. There's a few small problems. When you get to the small problems, you actually see, okay, no, they're actually the hardest problems of all, you know, like, you know, that old adage, which is like 20% of the work take 80% of the time, you know, and it's, they're kind of like built this complex thing and they've got all these like small problems and it's like all grinding to a halt, but they don't have like the necessary 
intellectual capacity or like system of organization to deal with that. So they have to like resort to like emergency measures to kind of correct that. Um, were you were you ever excited about the Ethereum project, or was something that you saw uh, as being uh, a, uh, always being a problem? No, I, I thought it was interesting uh, because uh, Bitcoin suffer from a lack of idealism. Bitcoin suffer from a lack of vision. It has like a very limited scope. Whereas Ethereum, all the people that were interested in Bitcoin and like are like, and also Ethereum is a much younger age as well, like much younger age of developers and like talented people. So all the people who are kind of wrapped up in that Bitcoin stuff that weren't, you know, like there needs to be a balance in the project between like focus and experimentation. So the kind of people who they weren't being given that room to explore inside of Bitcoin left to Ethereum. And that's what Bitcoin is, is missing. So I kind of found, I found, I find Ethereum interesting on, on that respect that it's like, it has, it is that area of exploration and experimentation um, but there are other deep problems like social problems in the community um, so um, so yeah and, and, and the problem is, is as well because it's like you know they have this like open uh, community and you have these young people who come into the community and they're like looking for some place, but there's like no place. There's no system to like onboard new people to like train them or to develop or enhance that talent. They end up drifting around and end up working for these like corporations as like tools or like slave labor. And so that's why like Ethereum now is being captured. It's like in the process of being captured by groups like consensus. So that's kind of essentially like the death now of, of the idealism inside of Ethereum. So how do how do we uh, how do we get you more involved in Monero? Is it is there anything the the community do, can do to uh, get you more involved? Uh, you're you're uh, you know an inspirational person. You you like we said you know we talked about in the beginning. Um, you you certainly uh, understand what the the true ideals of cryptocurrency are, and you express them very well. Uh, what does the Monero community need to do to, to, to draft somebody like you into, onto the team? Uh, well, I wanted to go to the Monero conference, but it was in the US and I can't, or Canada, and I can't visit um, Canada or the US. So if there's like one in another part of the world, I'll probably go to the conference. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm open to talk about to other Monero people about creating an ecosystem how do we create this ecosystem you know if people want to like expand out of that let's let's start to work on projects you know yeah i think it's something that would be fully embraced um i know you've even started you know you've you've looked at ring signatures right and uh uh monero's yeah, current implementation and you've you've even uh, attempted to make your own own improvements is that correct yeah, I spent uh, two months. Um, I, I took the Monero Ring CT algorithm, uh, and for a hundred thousand keys, I implemented it for a hundred thousand keys, and it took seventy-four seconds to run. Uh, but after over two months of optimizations, I managed to get it down to six and a half seconds. Uh, but that's that's mainly because the cryptographic algorithms that exist now are exist for blockchain systems. And therefore they're optimized for verification because 
um, everybody have to like verify the blockchain. But I really kind of realized like um, if you kind of change the schema a little bit, then you can double the proof size, uh, but enable you to make a, a whole bunch of other optimizations, which uh, lower the proving time drastically. Um, because I was interested in, in Monero for uh, uh, creating anonymous mixing systems. Uh, so that's, that's why I decided to look at the algorithm. But then I was, I, I've also been exploring a bunch of other algorithms, uh, recently as well. Do you think mixing systems have an issue because of the fact that the people have to opt into them and they're, they're not, uh, default systems like Monero? Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's like a usability, uh, uh question, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't see that as a problem that can't be solved. Um, um, well, more so uh, that everybody that opts into a mixing system is obviously uh, has has a reason for doing it. Um, they're they're the the people that are looking to mix their coins as opposed to uh, hmm. you know something that's default uh, mixes by default on the protocol level. Um, so there's, yeah. there could be no assumption about, about the user using it. Yeah. Or even why the wallets don't, aren't mixing wallets by default. Like that's, that's what I've been wondering about, you know? Um, but yeah, that's not a, that's not like a, a technological impasse really. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly right these days. I'm mainly exploring uh, a lot of different cryptographic algorithms that I want to be able to use to create these uh, crypto systems or, or different platforms. Uh, we want to start by developing, um, together with NIM, developing um, uh, a bunch of products, like focusing on very simple products in the short term. But then in the long term, we want to kind of take abstract this technology out into a kind of uh, uh, toolkits or libraries that can enable other developers to piece together other products very easily and then uh, to be able to easily build an entire ecosystem and then also train people in, in using these technologies and build very good and also build documentation and so on. Now, I know Dark Wallet was one of your projects, uh, I guess it was back in 2014. Um and I believe you worked on that with uh, Cody Wilson at the time. So is yeah. this, this new project you're talking about, the, this new anonymous wallet, is there, are there similarities there or is it a completely different animal? Um, yeah, well, a lot of people have been asking me, oh, when's the dark wallet finished? When's the dark wallet finished? Well, first of all, CoinJoin, the technique that was using dark wallets, fundamentally broken. So no, I'm not going to build a wallet that uses an outdated cryptographic algorithm the second thing is is that the the dark wallet crowdfunding was for 100k um the price of bitcoin dropped and cody liquidated the bitcoin to avoid us make having further losses so we got only 60k out of the crowdfunding and we used that to fund a team of eight developers well developers and designers over two years living together in in one house and the crowdfunding was to develop an alpha, an alpha product, and we actually released a beta of the product. So, I've, I've, fun, I've, we fulfilled the crowdfunding. Which, if anybody's wondering about that, because that's a very common question that I have, the source code is there on the internet for people to access. Uh, what I saw is after we released the product, 
You know, even if other people are not working on it, it, even if the team is not working on it, nobody else took it up and keep working on the project or finish it. So that was interesting. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested now in uh, anonymous crypto systems, anonymous uh, uh, cryptocurrency systems as well, and also in uh, in uh, building uh, dark financial products. How do we build dark bespoke financial products? So that's that's something that I'm actively pursuing. Similar to Open Bazaar, when you say uh, dark market products, yeah, yeah Open Bazaar, for example, like um, I think they failed to make a product that actually service. The, and this that without that initiated from you as well, correct? That was a project you had initially worked yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually we did it in one night for a, a, a hackathon for a competition to get the prize money for ten thousand dollars, and it was just like an idea that I had floating around in my head for several months because I, I when I Silk Road got shut down, um, I started, I thought, okay, what is Silk Road fundamentally? It's like a messaging system. It's got a system of escrow, has seller pages, it has some index to search the pages, and it has ratings. So it's like, okay, how can we, we can build all that in a decentralized way? So we can put together this product, you know. So those things exist still, like it still exist, like those techniques, and when we can put them to work to create other products as well, you know. But it's it's going to require like us to be able to like effectively. Um, train people in those techniques and to build the code to enable people to easily use those techniques and to understand the limitations and where one is good and where another one is better and how they can employ them. And that's like a more of like a, that's more of like a social kind of system. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not a technical problem. It's not necessarily a technical problem of like, okay, this is really different, difficult maths that I need to solve. You know, I need to do it. It's like, okay, how do we put humans together that they can solve these like, all these different problems that exist, like lots of different problems to, to create these uh, products, which is something that's not happening now. And that's what I mean about like kind of these, uh, this human resource exists inside of our communities, but it's kind of just floating around and it's not given orientation towards something. And, and the largest part of that is the narrative that we develop. Like what's our narrative? Like what's our driving purpose or utility? So are you, are you making progress with the, the Polytechnic Academy? Is that, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, uh, there's actually two components to it. One part is um, the Polytechnics part, which is like, um, is like a, I guess, kind of like a more research-oriented arm or like a, a philosophical think tank-oriented group, you know, that develop like new technologies, but also is, is like a kind of a group that, that give orientation to like the wider system of organizations. And then there's like a more business oriented aspect, which is like, I guess, like the dark tech or, or many different business organizations that we create that. And also behind that, we're creating a fund as well. The, the projects that we create take investment from the fund and pay back into the fund. Um, for the actual physical space, it's very difficult to get people inside of cryptocurrency to put money towards kind of things that's like in a collective long-term interest. Everybody like want a product that they can invest in and get money in some fixed period of time. Like nobody like, 
it's like very, it's like, it's kind of insane. Like people are like willing to kind of invest like hundreds of thousands into a product, but they don't kind of want to give like 10K toward, as a donation. But in terms of like the academy, you know, we've kind of like, we, we kind of like have, like there's, there's the downstairs part, which is like, um, what we're developing as an incubator and an upstairs as an academy. It's quite a big space and, um, it's also in a very nice place as well. Uh, we have kind of 40k out of 80k. So we still kind of need to find that remaining 40k. And then also like, um, uh, finding like the, the people that want to, the, we want to kind of work with, that want, want to be associated with, uh, in the incubator part of the project. Um, and, you know, the first academy that we're doing is in, uh, is in Barcelona because in terms of Western Europe, where we want to have, a primary base, at least in the beginning, uh, Catalonia make the most sense out of all of Western Europe to develop cryptocurrency. It make no sense to go to Berlin or to London. There's nothing interesting in these places. Um, there is a very interesting undercurrent of projects and people here engaged in uh, uh, cryptocurrency work. Actually, a lot of, actually very interesting uh, uh, it was not reported on in the crypto news. It was not reported on in the English news. I don't, I don't know why, but in the local news here, there's a very big thing that was reported on, which was that the Spanish government banned blockchain, banned blockchain applications in local administration and cryptographic app. Why? Because the Catalonia parliament, which is in exile now, started developing their own cryptocurrency, crypto system. Uh, with self-sovereign ID as a way of uh, uh, being able to perform the administrative functions of the state in an encrypted manner outside of the control of the Spanish state. They started to develop that technology and the Spanish parliament actually passed a law to ban the use of blockchain in local administration in Spain. That was that's actually a big deal. Like the crypto projects here actually got the Spanish government to pass a law against them. And actually that hasn't uh, scared people here. That's actually made them more determined to develop, to uh, invest and in develop in cryptocurrency. And um, there's a lot of, and also we're right next door to Switzerland. Switzerland's just up the road from from Barcelona. And there is also a lot of uh, interesting uh, projects in in Switzerland. Also interesting laws and jurisdictions and havens that can be made use of. Um, but yeah, the first academy we're doing in, is in Barcelona, but eventually we want to open the next ones in Latin America and in Asia, but eventually also in, uh, in Russia, in the Middle East, in Northern Ireland, in other places, in, I don't know, in Africa, you know, it's like the whole point is to have like an academy on every continent, like where we can, where we can start to train people and we can put them to work on projects. Have you approached uh, old school Bitcoiners? I know, like we said, you approached Vitalik uh, Buterin. Have you have you approached uh, some of the old school Bitcoiners? Yeah, they're not. They're not. They don't. Then I don't know who you're referring to specifically. But I spoke to Peter Todd. I spoke to Adam Back. I spoke to Francis Pollard. All of these people. They're not interested. They're not interested. They're just interested in like in in I don't know businesses or. Or technology or stuff like that. Their, their focus is is very hugely limited. Uh, and, and Vitalik, which you know is a guy that he was before uh, Ethereum when he was running Bitcoin Magazine. He was living with us here in uh, in uh, just outside Barcelona in our hack lab, 
where we were training developers, other developers, and we were feeding him and supporting him. And I asked him to pay 20K forwards to the academy. And he was like, he's like, mm, I don't know. I'll think about it. It's like, wow. how can, so yeah, if, any, wow, if anybody incredible. should have understood the value of it, it, it should have been him. He, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I don't, that's, that's what I mean. There's a problem with this community. It's a serious problem. Like, I don't know if maybe it's me, like maybe people are scared of like investing in me. I, I did get investigated for terrorism, but I also think it's like, I, I also think there is a big separation between what people say publicly, but how they are privately. Like people are like, yeah, cryptocurrency, it's going to change the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for them, it's like, you know, like their money, like how they can protect their money, how they can keep other people around them as they're like slaves, you know. Um, that's, that's also the thing with Vitalik as well, is he has a core of people around him, which are sycophants. And that's, and like, it's like either that those people are happy. He's kind of like, Oh, I'm not responsible. You know, it's like, whatever. It's not my responsibility. So it's all those people around him that are like pulling all the strings. So that, so, um, there's a lot of corruption inside of cryptocurrency community, you know? Um, but there are, there are, but I'm, I'm no longer looking because in the beginning, when I started to see in 2016, in 2017, the, the trajectory that we're going on is experiencing problems inside of cryptocurrency. It's like kind of like a dead end. Uh, I started going to the leaders of all these cryptocurrency projects and saying, look, everything that you're doing is wrong. Like what you're doing is wrong. We need to change our trajectory. We need to change the way that we're doing things. We need to reorientate. But what I, but what I saw is that the people that are in that position of power, they're corrupted by the power. You know, they don't, if you go to someone who's in a position of power and you start telling them, you know, the, everything, what you're doing is wrong, you need to change, they're going to be threatened by, by your power. The only reason that people, um, that, pe that, you know, like, uh, dictators murder of a murder people is because they're afraid of their power, you know. So I, I became kind of like, um, when I started, started openly criticizing crypto project, I became a paria from these, from these communities. But what I realized is there's a lot of like, open open voices but they're not at the top of these projects they're on the they're on the bottom of these projects on the fringes and they're people who feel discontented with the way the projects are being run and that's an even bigger number of people and those and among those people is, is also some very talented interesting people so it's kind of like that's who I, that's my audience i have to talk to those people that's like the the body of people people who like uh feel uh discontented with the way things are going now and they want a change they want to change they're looking for something different and those are not the people that are at the top who are like benefiting off of this cartel or this system that already currently exists you know if you tell them it needs to change it's a threat to their own position yeah i think i think a lot of those people are out there um and like you said they're uh obviously those aren't the voices that are, are the loudest because you know they're, they're not at the top so they don't have the most twitter followers they don't have uh the most views on their youtube channel uh but those people are certainly out there and uh yeah hopefully they'll they'll start to hear you do you still keep in touch with uh cody wilson i always found him to be a an interesting character in the in the crypto space uh yeah, I haven't spoken with him so much recently, but he's is there. Sometimes I I I talk with him and engage with him. Um, is he still working on crypto related projects? You don't really hear hear much about it. 
Yeah, he's gone kind of quiet for now. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Maybe he'll be involved later. We actually, I think, yeah, we actually wanted him to be, uh, to play like a, a bigger role in, in NIM project actually. Um, but he's, he kind of, um, was like, oh, probably it's not in the best interest right now of, of, of NIM. Um, it's probably, you know, um, better to have somebody else right now. So, but we'll see. It's like he's there and he's obviously very smart and intelligent as well. Yeah. All right, Amir, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything else you, you want to you wanna bring up, you want to talk about? Um, no, nothing that come, come to mind. Like, sorry if it was too uh, uh, general and, like, I didn't give very many practical examples, but, you know, um, uh, maybe I kind of explored some ideas that were interesting for people. And, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, giving me the time to... Uh, discuss with this and maybe I'll, I'll come back in the f- in after I don't know maybe six months or so when I have like more progress and results to show yeah definitely like I said I mean I, I would love to see you uh, reach out to the Monero community as well uh, given you know even the recent research that you did on your own um, I know you, you they would love to you know speak with you about it and uh, uh, work with you um, the the next Monero Con is coming up in the summer. The location hasn't been selected yet, but maybe it will be in a a place that you can attend. That'd be great to see you. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Um, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Where could people uh, learn more about the projects that you're working on? Where where could they where could they go? Uh, <laughs> I don't I. I need a kind of sysadmin because like, I, I have a web server, but the, the website is down. So <laughs> it's just, I'm like very under-resourced right now. So <laughs> I have to start doing some projects to bring in income. <laughs> okay. Actually, one question. Are you familiar with RandomX? Did you follow, have you been following that at all? I'm, I'm just curious if that's... No, what's that? Um, so... Monero in its in its last network upgrade, it implemented a, a new proof of work uh, to be to become more ASIC resistant. Um, and basically, okay. yeah. So basically, it's uh, it's a new proof proof of work that essentially turns the the CPU into the ASIC for Monero. Oh, that's interesting. No, I haven't. I didn't. I haven't really paid much attention to proof of work schemes and proof of stake schemes. My my knowledge there is. A lot more limited and I know there's been a lot of very interesting research um, I'm mainly these days trying to uh, study more about finance and economics and uh, 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 cryptographic techniques so that I can kind of apply them towards uh, financial domain so we can start to create some of these uh, finan- dark financial products about mining centralization, because that's obviously the, the the purpose of RandomX was to yeah. to thwart mining centralization. Is that something you you think about? Is that not too much? Um, but I have a very uneducated opinion. You probably have more uh, developed opinion than me. But yeah, I'm I'm for it. I guess you know, fuck the Chinese cartel and I guess China in general, like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue that it could uh, potentially lead to, you know, in, in Bitcoin in particular, lead to censorship. 
um, you know, if, if there's a large uh, percentage of the mining network is in, uh, you know, an area in, in, a, in a country that wouldn't hesitate to, to censor, uh, that could potentially become an issue. Yeah, it's just kind of scary seeing all these like uh, uh, blockchain groups in China profiting off of cryptocurrency and, you know, all that wealth going into Chinese state system. You know, it's kind of like all those kind of camps, education camps. It's kind of a bit scary. Like, uh, so, yeah, I don't know about that. All right. I just wanted to get that in there as well. Just curious. All right. Thanks, Samir. Thank I really so appreciate much. it. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on your iPhone. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys and seed. And by XMR.to. Anonymously exchange your Monero into Bitcoin and seamlessly send Monero to any Bitcoin address. Go to XMR.to or use it right in your iOS Cake Wallet. CakeWallet and XMR.to are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you.